Welcome to today's episode of Between Means and Deans. My name is Nina, and I'm joined by my best friend, partner, and baby daddy, Dayon. And together, we're a couple of 20-something-year-olds just trying to navigate this whole first-time parenting thing. So we're laying it all out there and talking about all the things you wish your parents told you about love, sex, and happiness. So this is the first time that we are doing a solo episode. It's just going to be me this week um, because we're going to talk all about breastfeeding and there's so much that I didn't know about breastfeeding going into it. I know that a couple episodes ago, we were very naive when we said that, yeah, we took a lactation course and now we know so much about breastfeeding. Like, you can learn as much as you want, but I think until you really go through the experience of it, then you realize like how much you don't know about it. And so... I feel like when you're taking the course and with any prenatal class, usually the focus is on getting your baby to latch, so learning like a proper technique, and then also to do with like making sure that you have enough milk, and that has to do with like your supply. So for me, I didn't realize that, you know, like oversupply was a thing, that clogged ducts was a thing, or that mastitis was a thing. Mastitis is essentially a breast infection. Like, I had heard of all those things, but I just was very naive to think that they wouldn't happen to me. I think that so much of my pregnancy experience was positive and my midwives were like, yeah, like you're young, you're healthy, you shouldn't have any complications. And so I really let that get to my head and like I just didn't prepare myself the way that I should have. And like I said, like there's just some things you can't prepare for, like you have to just experience it. I had a massive oversupply, which sounds like it's a good thing, and that's why I thought it was a good thing. It definitely, I would say, is probably better than if you have an undersupply. I don't know what that experience is like, but I know a lot of women do struggle with not making enough milk, and that can be really stressful because there's so much pressure on mothers to provide, you know, breast milk for their babies because you learn that breast milk is king. Like, ideally what your baby should be eating and like formula has like this bad rep but at the end of the day like you don't know what's going to happen it's to no fault of your own if your body is unable to make breast milk or if it's unable to make a supply that's sustainable for your baby to feed and if you do have to supplement or if you do have to feed your baby full on formula like there's no reason why you should feel guilty about that because at the end of the day like your baby is going to be fine no matter what they just need to eat so like that's a big part of it as well is that like your baby needs to eat constantly it's like every three hours or so and so when I did get mastitis a couple weeks ago I came down with like a really high fever and I felt awful like I couldn't do anything like I couldn't get out of bed and it was so painful like when he would latch it actually made me cry like multiple times it was a pain that was physically painful but also emotionally I felt so guilty I felt like I had failed because it wasn't easy and I don't know why we kind of make it out to seem like breastfeeding is like it's like so natural and babies should be able to just latch and you know like it should just happen naturally and it doesn't happen naturally like at least in my experience like there's a lot of work going into like how you hold your breast and getting your baby to pop on and like I think that just the way that we've built up breastfeeding it just causes so much guilt and like room for like shame if you're not doing it properly or not doing it the way that you imagined it so for me with my oversupply essentially what that means is like I was making way too much milk so the issue is that like my breast gets so hard it literally gets rock hard and to the point where 
like if you think about it if you're like trying to latch your baby onto something that's super super hard it's really hard for them to like get a grip because it's just really hard like there's no cushion to it and so it's hard to latch so their latch will be a lot more shallow which means that it will be more painful for you and then i also had a really forceful letdown which means that when he does start drinking there's like the sensation that happens in your breast and it essentially like releases the milk but for me when that happens it's so forceful that it will shoot into the back of his throat and then other times he'll bite down on my nipple because he's like trying to get it to stop going so quickly and then that also makes it really painful for you so like you'll see that it's just like a lot of these things play into each other and it just kind of compounds and makes it worse and so essentially he'll like bite down and then with an oversupply because i was making so much milk I also wasn't able to like get enough of it out as quickly so he would feed but then he wouldn't fully drain my boob and so that essentially just means that there's still milk inside of my breasts and so to be able to get it out so that it doesn't create clogged ducts you would either have to like go into a hot shower and like use your hand and massage it out or like get a pump and at that time I didn't have a pump and I also just like couldn't find time to shower as regularly and it just takes so much work to massage out my breast that I was like oh it's fine like I'll just leave the milk here and it's great that I have extra milk and he'll just drink it next time he gets hungry and just leaving the milk there allows it to cause clogged ducts which is just solidified or like hardened milk not allowing milk to move from like where it's being produced to actually move out of your breast and then that makes the flow a lot slower so i won't have a forceful letdown which like chokes him but then i also have a lot less milk coming out of the breast that has a lot of clogged ducts so then he's getting angry and like crying and screaming at my nipple because it's not allowing enough milk out so it's just like it's just crazy like it's all of these things that I didn't consider that made it so challenging to literally just feed him and this isn't just like one or two hours of your day it's literally every like two to three hours at least in the beginning and then now it's probably every three to four hours so it's non-stop and I think that when I thought about breastfeeding I just didn't realize how frequent it would be like it's literally all consuming and it's not on any type of set schedule I mean some people I know do like the cry it out and then feed their baby on a certain schedule so that they can kind of control their sleep and eat schedule but for us like we didn't do that I just did it on demand so whenever he's hungry he eats it's like pretty impossible to know when I'm gonna be free or really be able to sit down and do anything because I never know when I'm gonna have to stop doing that and feed him yeah I I mean I know that I'm very lucky to be able to provide breast milk for him and that I am able to have the experience of having him on the breast and another thing that I should note that I never even thought about before getting pregnant or thinking about breastfeeding was that the size of your breast does matter it doesn't matter in terms of whether or not you'll be able to make milk so like if you have small boobs or larger boobs then you would still be able to have milk making capabilities it's not like small boobs have less of a chance of making milk what it does affect is if you essentially think about your boobs as being a container it affects how much milk can be held in your boob so for me because i have smaller breasts a lot of the milk needs to be moving quickly out of my breasts or else it's sitting there it's sitting there and it's getting hard and it's causing the plug ducts and so then that also means that whenever he's eating he's not eating 
as much. So then that means that he'll have to feed more frequently. So I have read about people that have been able to go like really long stretches. By now he's eight weeks. And so some people even up to like six to eight hours of like long stretches of sleep in the middle of the night. But he hasn't been able to do that. And I'm pretty sure it's just because the milk that I'm able to produce is a smaller quantity and so he's just like not getting that full so that he can get put down for like eight hours it ends up being more like four hours max five hours so that's something else to consider um obviously your experience might be different but what i found online is that the size of your breast does matter in that way so just think of it as a container (laughs) so like that's the best way to think of it But other than that, like, I feel like I just went into this postpartum phase really naive. Like, I didn't realize how little I knew about this period of my life. I think I really focused on, okay, you're going to have to change diapers and feed. And there's all these things that you're going to have to do that revolve around the baby, which is very much true. But there's also things that have to do with my recovery that... I never anticipated and I did have a c-section so the recovery is a little bit different because you're recovering from surgery um but even if you have a vaginal birth like recovery is not easy and like you do need to rest a lot to be able to recover properly and if you push yourself too hard then it'll cause you to not heal as quickly and then your total recovery time is just going to be longer anyway so you might as well take it slow but it really feels like society celebrates pregnant women and you know like your baby bump and like I got so many messages and dms about like oh my god like your bump is so cute and all of these things that make you feel so special as a pregnant person which is amazing but then I feel like once you have your baby obviously everyone's like your baby's so cute but I feel like for like the medical system and just honestly like reception of postpartum bodies it's very much like okay bye good luck and like I it's just so interesting to me that like your body can be celebrated while you're holding your baby but also not celebrated or even like looked down upon because of your postpartum body but like it's the same body that held and created like this human that is so beautiful you know and it's just because your body gets wrinkly and it's like probably bigger than it was before and we just don't celebrate those things we don't acknowledge them we don't want to see them and in terms of like healthcare, afterwards like we had a couple of appointments with our midwife which was important because we were checking up on his recovery and making sure that I was okay but after like three or four appointments after six weeks we were meant to be dropped off to like a family doctor and um, we still don't have a family doctor. And even then, I don't know if that family doctor would want to see us regularly, if it would be like, okay, we're going to see you every month to make sure that you're on track and that your baby's on track um, and to answer all your questions, etc. Because I feel like we Googled so, so much and there's so much that we don't know and that we still like, we're constantly Googling and I feel so annoying to like make a ton of like walk-in appointments um to be like okay like is he vomiting too much or too little like not too little you can't vomit too little if you didn't vomit at all that would be amazing but like is he vomiting too much like that was like a major concern for us recently because he was spit up and it was just a lot in volume so I was like I don't know if I should be concerned because online it says that like spit up is normal and vomiting 
can be normal but then sometimes it's a concern so it's like you just don't know and like it's our first baby and I feel like even if it wasn't our first baby like even if it was our third baby like every baby is so different that like what is normal and so in terms of baby development I feel like yes there is concern and there are appointments that are made and like doctors always want you to check in because they are so young and so if there is something wrong then you want to catch it early but I almost feel like there isn't enough of a concern and when it comes to recovery like there's barely any support for postpartum women like I had to research and kind of go out of my way to be like oh I should get a pelvic floor exam you know I should go get acupuncture to balance out my hormones. I should go get massage therapy um, to help with my mastitis. Like, all of these things, I had to do, like, really intense research to know that that's something that I should do or something that is important in my recovery because I feel like everyone says, oh, you'll recover in, like, six to eight weeks. But, like, what are you supposed to be doing in those six to eight weeks? Like, that's all that's said. It's just, it's six to eight weeks and rest and drink a lot of water. Like, I feel like that's all I was told. And... Like, my body is not going to recover properly if I don't, if I just do those things. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's kind of a bummer to realize that about our society. And I feel like I kind of had high hopes for Canada because obviously healthcare is free, but we are quite behind in terms of maternal healthcare because I know that there are hospitals in China, like a couple of like private hospitals that provide support for women postpartum where like there are nurses to help take care of like your baby and to take care of you they check in with you regularly like you stay there for a month and that you literally have access to like acupuncture massage chiropractors like pelvic floor exams like making sure that you're actually recovering the way that you should be and it would be absolutely amazing if Canada did that but I, I feel like we're quite far behind and I don't really see that happening because even finding somebody to help deal with mastitis was so difficult. And like mastitis was so painful. It was like a really high fever and it I genuinely felt like my boob was going to like fall off or something. Like it hurt so much and I didn't know that I would ever find relief and I had to take like a really aggressive course of antibiotics, which also isn't great to do for your body and also for your baby. So if if you are breastfeeding and you do have to take antibiotics, I would definitely recommend that you take some probiotics as well. I didn't while I was on mine and our baby ended up getting a yeast infection um, diaper rash. And so it's important that you take probiotics and also that your baby takes probiotics. Obviously, I'm not a doctor, so talk to your doctor before you give your baby anything. Um, but everyone that I have talked to physician-wise especially if you gave birth via c-section your baby isn't exposed to as many probiotics as a vaginally birthed baby would be and so supplementing with baby probiotics is really helpful so again talk to your doctor do not come at me (laughs) Um, i am not a physician or a pediatrician and so yeah like supplementing those things like nobody told me to do that i literally had to look that up because usually when I take antibiotics, I take probiotics and eat yogurt and like kombucha and all of those things. And so I was like, okay, like maybe I should also be doing this, but nobody told me that I should be doing that or that they would recommend that I do that because yeah, I literally gave my baby a yeast infection diaper rash because I was on antibiotics and it killed all the good and bad bacteria. And 
so like this is, yeah I just I keep saying the same thing and I feel like this is turning into like a depressing episode because I'm just like there's no support but there is support in the form of like mom groups and you know like your family and things like that but just as a society like we don't we don't put a whole lot of value on that and even when we do get support from our family like I know that I've gotten support from like Dan's mom for example and like I've talked to my mom about um just blues progress and things like that and sometimes the recommendations that we'll get from the older generations are not always accurate because you have to realize that times have changed and a lot of things that were recommended to my mom are either not recommended now because of new studies and um just things that they've learned over the years like you have to realize it's 20 years ago so it's like, she'll be telling me something and I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. Or like, I'll Google it and it says not to do it. And like, I don't blame them, you know, because it's like, it's just a different generation. It was a very different time and people like doctors were recommending different things then. And you just like, everyone's doing the best that they can. And so I just tell myself that whenever I do feel stressed or feel anxious about like, are we doing the right thing? Are we good parents? Um, Is he okay? (laughs) Like, I, I try to just tell myself that we're doing the best that we can and to try to not be afraid to ask for help because I know that it's hard to and I didn't realize how bad I was at it until now and there have been like quite a few people that have like offered assistance or like yeah like I have friends that you could totally talk to that have had kids and I don't usually take people up on those offers because I just I feel I feel weird doing it I don't know but that's that's on me asking for help shouldn't be that hard (laughs) but sometimes it is So this is a great place to take a little pause and do a little plug for Policy Genius. If you guys have listened before, then you know the drill. Policy Genius is an insurance marketplace and they basically compare quotes from a bunch of different life insurance companies and then they choose the best price for you. So it only takes a couple of minutes and you could save up to $1,500. It is probably a really good thing to look into especially if you have children you want to make sure that they're taken care of if anything should happen to you or your loved ones so for me when I had my life insurance before I had a baby all of the money that would go to somebody (laughs) um, if anything were to happen to me went to my parents because I was like if my parents are still going to be alive I want to make sure they're taken care of and then once we had our baby then I changed everything to be in his name and so then that way he's taken care of and that's really really important to me And so if you're one of the many people that are looking to buy life insurance right now and you don't know where to start, make sure you head to policygenius.com. It's super easy to use their website. They will find the best rate, handle the process completely, and they'll get you and your family protected and hopefully give you one less thing to worry about. So another thing that I wanted to talk about that I didn't know very much about, like I will admit there's very, very, very little that I knew about in terms of raising a child. I think for me, when I knew that I was pregnant, the first thing that I really thought about was like how to teach him to be kind and patient and to teach him like values, you know, like all these things that he would learn a lot older in life. So for me, a lot of my focus was on kind of like the elementary to high school years, whereas I really didn't think at all about how to raise a baby. I don't I don't know why I thought it would just be easier that it was like a lot of things that were just innate or more natural. But another thing that I didn't really realize is flat spots. So obviously some people have flat spots maybe on the side or the back of their head, but I think because 
I kind of heard about it so frequently. Like, I didn't realize that it would be more of an issue if it was more aggressive. And so, yeah, to me, I just thought of flat spots as like, oh, that might not be so great aesthetically, but not like, oh, that might have like cognitive developmental issues, you know? So, we went to a physician recently and we were told that he had a slight flat spot. And Dan's also said that like he has a flat spot in the back of his head. And he's like, oh, it's probably genetic because Dan also has one too. But we weren't really paying attention to like what side he preferences, like when he sleeps and like if he's sleeping on one side more than the other, like where his head falls when he's in a car seat. And all of those things matter because you don't want to create a really aggressive flat spot because it could cause like developmental issues. And so we went to a baby physio appointment today and if you can afford it like I would definitely recommend it it was a bit expensive I think it was like $120 per session but it was worth it because she was able to tell us that his flat spot wasn't super aggressive but it's something that we can work towards um, getting rid of which is great and so she gave us a couple exercises she like kind of tested all of his other developmental things like checking to see like if he rolls over like if he'll support his head and I think just as new parents it's stressful which I've talked about before but being able to have somebody assess your baby and tell you like okay like this looks on track and this isn't like obviously every baby's going to develop differently but we also want to know like is he really behind and so I feel like having like a physiotherapist tell us all of those things was really great to give us peace of mind and then also that way we know what we can work towards because another thing that I didn't know is that you should be doing tummy time tummy time was kind of introduced as a way to prevent flat spots because it's recommended that babies sleep on their back and babies used to, I mean, I think people just used to have their babies sleep in any which direction before just because there was no recommendations about it. But they found that if babies were sleeping on their front, that they were at a higher risk of SIDS, which is sudden infant death syndrome. And so babies spend a lot of time on their back. And so that just increases the risk of having like more aggressive flat spots. So it's important to put your baby on their tummy and like help to build their neck muscles and like their neck strength by like playing with them and showing them mirrors and rattles and all of these things. So yeah, that's another thing that I did not anticipate. I was like, oh, like a baby is just gonna like eat, sleep and fart. But I didn't realize like how early you kind of play and like interact with them for the most part like babies are not gonna respond like they're not really playing with you because like only now is he starting to kind of smile at us and now is like eight weeks usually your baby starts to smile at you at like six to twelve weeks if they are before that it's like mostly just them flexing their muscles but it's not necessarily that they're like smiling because they're happy or because they recognize that it's you but I feel like all of that is just to say that like the first two months is so much hard work and it's very little payoff or reward because like obviously he's very cute and that's reward enough but like you don't really get to interact with them like you don't really hear them say much you don't see them smile at you they're not laughing and so they're just kind of babies that are crying and making a lot of weird like grunting noises that's the thing too that I didn't realize is that babies make a lot of weird noises like he grunts he makes sounds that they're like an elephant he sounds like a mouse sometimes like it just like he makes all these weird sounds and that's very normal and I don't really know what it's about but like the grunts are the most interesting and usually that just means that he needs to like poop or fart or something like that but I also didn't realize that that would be kind of like a painful process for them so like he'll like cry and he'll like grunt and kick and he's really just trying to poop and like the way that they describe it is that 
they just don't know how to use that muscle like they don't know that like you need to push really hard and so imagine if one day you woke up and somebody told you that like you need to fart now like out of your wrist like you would have to figure out how to like access that muscle or like really think about that area of your body so essentially that's what it's like for babies like they don't know how to do anything they literally have to learn everything like even how to poop which like makes sense but also to me it's just mind-blowing because it's just something that is so natural to you you know like it's so innate you don't have to think about it so it's been such a wild roller coaster and i honestly feel like we were getting kind of a hang of it recently that we almost got so confident just doing more regular life things and as a result now we are so so tired <laughs> like i feel like in the middle when we were kind of giving ourselves more time and like grace in terms of just taking the time to be at home and like feeding him and not really stressing ourselves about doing much and our family and friends were bringing us food and we just didn't have to think about much else besides just like feeding him and changing him and now because we're more comfortable then we're just really stretching ourselves thin so i'm recording this on like a consistent i would say five hours of sleep every single night and i'm exhausted <laughs> i know that we're supposed to like start his day at 7 a.m most babies are supposed to wake up at around that time and i think that's also just to kind of condition them for when they go to school because they're waking up at like 7 8 a.m and we've tried to do that but it really isn't that successful. Like, he'll wake up around 7 a.m. Anytime between, like, 6 and 7.30, he'll wake up and we'll, like, turn on the lights and I'll be like, good morning, and I'll feed him. But I am so, so tired. So then, like, as soon as he eats, he pretty much goes straight back to sleep for, like, his first nap, technically, and then we just continue sleeping. Like, we'll usually start our day at around noon and then we end up going to sleep at around midnight. And that sounds like you would get a lot of hours of sleep, but you have to realize that like when you're waking up to feed in the middle of the night, that's about like one to two hours that you're awake doing stuff because you're feeding and then you're burping and then you're changing and then probably feeding again and then burping. And yeah, so it's, <laughs> it is a lot more than I anticipated. And I know that we say this a lot and I feel like so many people comment and they're like, oh my God, I have baby fever. And it's like, don't be like me where I was very naive. Like even if you have like such an easy baby, like Blue is quite fussy. So he will cry quite a bit and he's a lot better now. But even if you have a really easy baby, like it is not easy at all. It is so much work. So hopefully next time we do an episode checking in on Blue and his development and us as parents and hopefully at that point he'll be like more talkative and like smiling and it'll be like the next chapter because I've talked to my friend recently that had a baby and her baby is eight months old and she was saying that her favorite phase so far has been like the three to six months because everything just seems like it goes away at around three months like all their baby acne goes away like their fussiness goes down and like their spit up goes down and so yeah I'm hoping that once we get to three months then it's like kind of a new leaf and it's like a little bit brighter and happier and less crying but until then <laughs> it has been quite the experience so i'm gonna leave you guys here and i hope that you guys are having a beautiful day a beautiful week and stay safe out there make sure you follow us at neens and deans my handle is your girl neens dance is dance day off and we'll see you guys next week bye